Hi, I'm Eric Lee of Starfish Coaching, and you're listening to the Business Coaching for Creatives podcast. Tune in for business success tips and interviews with other successful entrepreneurs so that you can shortcut your path to success. And the first interview that we have is with Chris and Magic of Apollo Scooters. It's a young startup based in Montreal, Canada, and they are all about electrifying urban mobility. In this conversation, they share with me the secrets of building their team culture and also learnings that they had as a startup and many other interesting tidbits that you don't want to miss. So this is the interview with Chris and Magic of Apollo Scooters. from Starfish Coaching. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Chris and Magic from Apollo Scooters. Apollo Scooters is an amazing Canadian startup story based in Montreal and that's actually where I'm at now in their office. So guys, uh, tell me just over, just a quick overview about Apollo first. What is Apollo and what, what, what does Apollo do? Sure, yeah. Um, Apollo is so essentially what we do is we manufacture and distribute electric scooters in North America. Uh, also recently in Europe uh, and Africa. Uh, so yeah, so we design and manufacture, you know, stand-up electric scooters. So awesome, yeah. Um, so for me, I'm always interested in business, entrepreneurs, success stories, that kind of stuff. So I want to share, uh, in this video, I want to share a bit more about that later on. But before we get into that, tell me who you guys are. How, how do you meet as, as partners, co-founders? Mm-hmm. Give me a bit of that. Uh, I mean, our stories are pretty pretty similar. We both went to the same university. Uh, we ended up going on to work at L'Oreal following graduation. So we worked in product marketing for uh, one and a half to two years. Um, and simultaneously, we were actually roommates. So uh, I, I mean it when our stories are copy and paste. Uh, and then, yeah, one day we, we actually wanted to purchase kick scooters ourselves. And we, you know, we searched the internet, we, we looked everywhere, and they were nowhere to be found. So. Um, the original idea was actually to just go ahead and, and buy 10 scooters, sell eight of them, and that would pay for the two we want to keep for ourselves. And, and that was really it. That was, that was the idea, and, and that's what we wanted to do. There was no intention of ever making this into a business. Uh, but as part of selling of those, of those eight scooters, we actually ended up putting up ads online on Kijiji and Craigslist and right. Facebook Marketplace. And then we woke up the next morning to something like 50, 60 messages, and we were like, wow. We both sold bicycles on Kijiji or, or Texas before, and it was never like this, you know. So right. we felt like this was this is something unusual, something something special. Yeah. Um, and we managed to turn those eight scooters in like two days. So we figured, why not do it again, but with twenty scooters and right. fifty, and then a hundred, and and you know, fast forward today, and uh, and we're doing slightly different volumes, yeah. um, with slightly different products. But the idea is ultimately the same. You know, find a great product overseas, bring it to Canada, add a bit of value in terms of service warranty. Uh, branding, uh, post-purchase support and whatnot, and, and resell it here. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And to make it a bit more fun, like we had to make this company straight away, like when we were buying the 10 scooters, we had to be incorporated. Okay. So we incorporated in half an hour and we called the company Apollo, um, actually after Magic's dog. Uh, so that's why everyone thinks Apollo is, you know, the, the god of speed and lights or whatever, <laughs> so it comes with electric scooters, but it's actually named after his beautiful Boston Terrier. Yeah. That's a great story. I love it. <laughs> So, do you feel that Apollo aligns with your passion in some way, like your personal passions in some way? Yeah, a lot. I mean, also, it's a, 
it's always a need to have a new challenge going forward. And like you see the whole electric mobility versus you know vehicles and cars. Um, in Canada, eighty percent of people use cars for distances of less five less than five kilometers, which right. makes no sense. It's not sustainable. It's not efficient. It makes no sense. So what we're doing is still also helping people. You know, fifty year old people replace their cars, and then you see the you know they realize it's sustainable, it's efficient, but most of all it's fun. And like when you see a, a again a fifty year old man uh, literally like begging on the phone saying I can't wait to have this scooter it feels like Christmas again right. it's a beautiful feeling to have so you're, you're helping towards a better you know greener future um, and you're putting the goals and it's a fun challenge for us mm-hmm. being, uh, yeah where we that's are. a good question though because I think I think you're right in that a lot of people jump into business following the passion you know you, you have the the classic stories of a baker loving to bake so much so that they open a bakery and, and kind of make a business out of that um, you know we were never tinkering with electronics in our garage we were never you know um, I guess uh, advocating for green mobility movements. We we it, there's no link between us and electric scooters per se. Uh, but I, I think what is important is that we developed a passion for the team we built, for the products we design, and for the customers that we serve. You know, um, so I think we feel super fortunate to be in the position we're in today. Um, but it didn't come directly from the passions we had before. Right. Funny enough, yeah, we started like two or three small tiny little businesses before okay. just because we were you know we went L'Oreal and we were looking for new challenges and some right. like small things like handwritten cards or home cooked food and it never really worked out because we were so focused I guess on the actual product itself yeah. um, but then I guess with time electric scooters came up and which uh, just made sense yeah okay so what would you say is different about uh, this startup versus the other ones that never took traction for you guys I think it's 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 huge demand and it's getting money since day one. Um, I think that's super important. It's like right. this, we said, listen, we have ten electric scooters. Uh, if you want to reserve one, you have to put a deposit of two hundred dollars. And once you get that, you sort of realize, okay, this is actually a business. Like once you start making money, it's actually a business. Before you would think about all these services and apps and everything and yeah. go through different six months of planning and thinking, but until you actually get that first dollar from a customer who's willing to buy, I think that's a big difference, and that's when it really took over for us. Yeah, I would say the critical difference is that this is actually a small business. We didn't invent this business model per se. Um, we basically stumbled into a new category of products, mm-hmm. but the, the you know model of importing and reselling has been around for you know thousands of years. Um, and un- unlike this, you know the previous businesses, they were startups in that we were playing around with new business models that didn't exist before. And as Chris said, because we never got to the stage of actually monetizing, uh, we, we never fully you know saw them through. Right. Yeah. So you guys went to school for MBA? No. <laughs> no. Bachelor's, Just yeah. undergrad, yeah. At UBC, yeah. Gen- general studies. General studies. Business. Yeah. business. Bachelor of oh, Commerce, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So you have some business background on right. that. Right, yeah. Would you say that, that the, the education at school helped you with this, or once you start business, it's fresh learnings? <laughs> I would say it helps. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, like, don't get me wrong, you know, if, if you ask us about, like, the specifics of our managerial accounting classes from second year of university or the formula to calculate the inventory backlog from third year like no one's going to be able to recall that stuff but i think what it did did teach you is the way of thinking and a way of approaching problems and Mm -hmm. just being systematic and methodical about you know making sure that whatever you address is is mutually exclusive and collectively exhaustive and and just having that framework um, to make sure that you are able to to break down any problem whether it's engineering whether it's business whether it's human whether it's you know design you can always kind of work around it and get to a solution. Um, right. and, and in that sense, it was invaluable. Yeah. yeah. And then also, like, like you said, the frameworks, the processes, putting you in real life, you know, case scenarios where 
you have no time, you have no budget, how do you sort it out? And like going through all of those processes there, now it's real life, so it's much different. But essentially, I think it's also just the discipline, the discipline of, you know, it's Christmas, we have to set out five scooters, it's winter, like, who's going to do it? Like, it's, it's us, and it's, you just got to do it. No, there's nobody else who's going to do it for you. And if you don't do it, your business fails. So it's like the discipline of getting up and doing it yourself. Exactly, yeah. You know, I always tell my, my coaching clients that building a business is really much like having a baby. Right. Mm-hmm. At the end of the night, if your baby's crying or whatever, you got to figure it out. It's, yeah. it's your baby. You've got no, no one else to fall on. For sure. exactly. It's not like you're a staff clocking and clocking out. There's no such thing happening no. as founders and as business owners. Mm-hmm. So how long has uh, Apollo been around? Like, uh, when do you guys start that? Since September 10th, 2018. So it's been oh. a year and a half. Yeah, wow. two, yeah. Yeah, me too, yeah. Awesome. So what's been the biggest struggle as a startup? Which one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, every every day is a new struggle, and I think if you if you zoom out enough and you kind of look at it from a macro perspective, yeah. um, I mean, the one we, the one that's both the most easily addressable and yet the most persistent is inventory. We just can't seem to have enough inventory ever, and that uh, kind of trickles down into a number of other issues because when we now do get a batch of inventory, everything's pre-sold, which means we have to flip. 350 right. scooters in a day or two, right. which means that we need to hire people for those two days, which means then we pass it off to UPS, who obviously can't you know, pick up 350 scooters in a day. So um, that, that in itself is an easily addressable problem because you know we can just throw enough money at it, get enough inventory and, and move on. Uh, but it takes a bit of time to get to that point. Um, I would say the other issue is that, um, that there's a certain degree of, um, of I guess, um, I don't want to say originality, but sorry, let me back up. This is a very this is a brand new industry, right? This industry didn't really exist five years ago, um, and therefore the percentage of, of users that are scooting right now are extremely early adopters. Um, and so we're in a position to basically define what those future products will look like and define what those, how those how those products will be used. You know, will they sit in your trunk so that you can drive in to the city and then get around on your scooter, come back to your car, go home? Do you replace cars altogether? You know, are they public and shareable? Um, there's all these configurations that we're talking with right now, and, and where we feel the responsibility to essentially define the perfect formula for what a scooter should be, how should it be used, how much should it cost, um, and how should it perform. And, and that's been a big struggle for us, just making sure that we you know, don't project our own vision of what that should be, um, and, and give enough weight to what the consumers tell us it should be. Um, so yeah. that's been that's been on my end. Yeah, and I would say another thing is, um, at the end of the day, what you're doing is not rocket science. I think. Anybody can buy a scooter straight from AliExpress or eBay. It's like, how do you always create value for the customer and always make sure that you know what you're selling is you know the highest mm-hmm. quality possible? Whether it's the quality, the you know the quality of the scooter, the quality of the customer service, um, the the warranty, the the support, everything has to be amazing from step one to step two. Um, and anybody can you know with bigger pockets and more financial investment can come and do exactly the same business we're doing tomorrow. Um, so it's always keeping on your toes and making sure that you don't get comfortable. Uh, that every single customer is treated like royalty because again, no, nobody, nobody forgets how you make them feel. Um, so it, it really is important for that two year to really make them feel and share and refer to friends. Right. Um, and to always really remember that again, this is don't take it for granted, don't get comfortable, always give that best experience possible. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, these guys just shared some golden nuggets with you guys here. Um, you know, hit the rewind button and, and slow that process, that, that portion down. Um, you know, Magic talked about what I find is really important and a lot of business owners do not see is a lot of business owners are looking at just the profits and what is my return and all that stuff. 
but what you touch on is a very important aspect, which is you guys, I, I can sense that you feel the responsibility that you have of your industry, which is this uh, birthing, emerging industry of scooters. Instead of just dictating this is what it's going to be and whether it's profit-driven or not, you've got the social conscience to say, okay, well, you know, how should this industry move forward because it's such a new medium of transportation? So that's huge. Tribute to you for that. And, you know, I think um, Chris also shared on the fact that every customer, no matter how big or how small, is important. At the end of the day, it's your reviews. No matter what business, your last customer is your best customer, right? So you got to make that happen. And that customer experience is very key for uh, startups especially because you need all that. And even when you're like a Richard Branson or a, like a Virgin brand or even a Tesla, you can't take that for granted because it only takes one bad review, right? And then that snowballs the other way. So thanks for sharing those uh, golden nuggets there. Um, now talking about struggles and, 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 and there's so many for startups. That's just, I always tell my clients that startups is like launching a rocket. Most of the fuel, most of the energy, 80% of it is burnt in the beginning. Once you get a business coasting into orbit, okay, then you can relax. But a lot of sweat, a lot of time, a lot of equity goes into startups. So for you guys, you're kind of in that startup mode right now. Um, and I'm sure there's gonna be more struggles coming down the way, but looking back at the struggles that you have overcome, is there something you can share with our audience? Well, what's one thing that you've overcome and what's a tip you can draw or learning and draw from that? There's, there's a number of learnings, I would say. Um, I'm just trying to think about how to organize them best because <laughs> we don't want to ramble for the next 45 minutes about all the struggles. Um, for, for, for me, one thing that became very clear very quickly is um, don't over-advertise to your customers. Maybe we have this tendency because we do come from a marketing background where we've been trained to basically push our clients to the limit of what's legally possible, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, Good marketing. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so, so you know, like you see the L'Oreal kind of packaging um, saying 99% effectiveness rate, whatever, and that's backed by some, you know, questionable study, but that is checked out by legal. So you have all these kind of uh, processes that back you up should something go wrong. But as a small business, you, you don't necessarily have that, nor, nor should you want to do that, because again, it's, it's the ethics of that is a different conversation. Um, so we quickly learned that it's, it's best to just give customers the honest information, whether that's product performance, whether that's um, delivery dates, whether that uh, is, you know, us making a mistake and coming clean about it. Let's say, uh, you know, we, we forgot to ship an accessory, right? Like what is the right thing to do? Well, the right thing to do is for us to pay the extra shipping that's expedited, you know, and give them something extra to make them you know, feel better about this. Um, so we quickly learned, um, always give the customer the benefit of the doubt, mm -hmm. always be honest with your customer and even under advertise, um, and, and that will benefit you in the long term. Do you, well, when I came into the space, I, I felt a good vibe. I felt the team and downstairs working with um, Eloy. Uh, what is a secret that you can share to building a good team? I don't think it's a, it's a secret necessarily, but Again, we always, when we go for every hiring process, we, we you know, go through the due diligence and making sure are they fit for the role, um, do they have the technical knowledge, but at the end of the day, do they have the desire to want to, are they on the same page in terms of growing uh, a company, do they have the passion for electric scooters, uh, and then lastly, is it a person that you also want to sit down and, you know, have a drink with after work and, um, and, and treat 
them with as much care and respect as you can. It's like they are the, the fruits of your business. They're the reason your business can go from A to B to C to D. Um, and if you don't invest in them, you should always invest in them before you invest in yourself. Otherwise, you're never going to grow. Um, that's the biggest thing. They're, they're human beings at the end of the day, and you need to take it's a teamwork. If one pillar falls, everything falls. Yes. Yeah. I don't think that's a secret necessarily. No. Someone once told us, you know, hire slow, fire fast. And it's true, as, as sad as it is. Um, uh, because when you do meet someone that seems like a great candidate, all you want to do is just get them to start working. Right. Um, but it's, as Chris said, you know, it's, it's the calling of the references. It's that, you know, digging into their work history. It's really understanding who they are as a person. That That is ultimately what determines if they end up being a good candidate or not. And we very quickly learned that bad candidates are not just expensive, they're exponentially expensive because you're not yes. just paying their salary for you know a few months before letting them go. You're also losing out on potential work that they could create that would add value and, and be monetizable in the future. Uh, so there's just a lot of costs associated with making a bad hiring decision and vice versa. There's tremendous benefit associated with making the right hiring decision. So, right. so before, yeah, before let's say to hire yeah. someone, it took us a day, it was one interview and that's it. Now it takes us like six weeks. It's like it goes through references to simulations on the chat, to phone call simulations, to everything to make sure they fit in every single one of them. And of course, they're going to learn and it's not sort of, mm -hmm. they're not new to it. But um, take your time, go through every situation and make sure it's the right candidate and just don't, yeah, don't rush into anything. Yeah. The, what you guys touch on is so important. I would say that you, you're very mature for a startup to understand that because a lot of, um, a lot of startups don't, they just don't have the hiring experience and they learn as they go and maybe by the you know fifth or sixth or seventh employee then they start to get the notion of that. Um, but yeah, having a good team is so important. Someone has shared uh, something with me before which makes a lot of sense. If you want to move fast, you move on your own. Mm -hmm. If you want to go far, you go with the team. Sure. And that's really the difference, right? Like you guys are, are it, it seems like you have big vision for Apollo, so you're gonna go. You're gonna need to go far. Mm -hmm. So investing that time to build that culture, that team is super important. For sure. And then one of the things that you touched on, I think, is super important is, regardless of the size of, of who you are, what you do, everything's gonna change. The real world's gonna change. Business is gonna change. Customers gonna change. It's how quickly you can pivot. Um, and I think that's one of our strengths at the company is, mm -hmm. if something goes wrong, boom, pivot quickly. Change it. Don't sit there and change it. Like. If your shipping software is not working properly, change it. Find a more efficient way. And it's always about, you're always going to get problems. It's about how do you adapt to those problems um, yes. and do it as quick as possible and just not get comfortable. Otherwise, you're never going to succeed. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So as uh, entrepreneurs and business owners, uh, is there one tip that you can share with our audience, uh, whether it be for a startup or just as a business in general? I would say make sure you always cover your butt. Like there's, there's so many things that can go wrong and this year has taught us more than anything else right. that as much as you can have your forecasts, your you know, um, visions, your missions, your goals, your plans, um, COVID can happen and everything gets thrown out <laughs> the window, right? So yes. uh, what do you do when you have you know, over a million dollars in inventory waiting to be shipped and you don't know if it's even gonna be sellable in, in a month because people are losing jobs faster than ever before, the economy's crumbling. Um, and you know you're in debt, so and you have payroll to make. Right. So so basically, make sure you always have some sort of a way to to pull the plug, even at the last minute, and recover as much of your investment as possible. Uh, it's not to say don't be optimistic, don't believe in yourself, but it's also just make sure that there's always a way out. Um, that's both in terms of the investments you make, the people you hire, uh, in terms of that you know claims you put out, the the marketing you do. Just make sure everything to some extent is covered, protected, and maybe even reversible. Yeah. Right. 
Did you guys have to do that for COVID? We kind of got the, the good side of COVID, um, which we only you know realized recently. Uh, but people don't really want to take public transit anymore, so they turned to scooters as an alternative right. public transportation. Yeah. Uh, but you know, back in May, we didn't really know that was going to be the case because um, again, at first, the first it looked like our factories were going to fall and all, all of China wasn't shut down, so we were not going to be able to get any inventory. And then it kind of hit North America and we said, wow, well, no one's going to be shopping for anything anytime soon. So then all of a sudden we have all this inventory, but no one to sell it to. Right. Um, and it wasn't until that flew over and people actually started to realize, hey, this is bad, but not as bad as we thought. And like, this is not, you know, as bad as the 08 crisis, uh, financially at least. So, um, so, so they were able to kind of start purchasing and, and we got through it. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so just to end off, is there any future plans, vision of Apollo that you want to share with our audience? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, um, so when we started the business the first six months, uh, it was really to we, like, distribute existing known brands of high quality to sort of get customers and see you know, their thoughts of it. Then we realized that the products that we were selling, um, it was very hard to work with the manufacturer because mm -hmm. um, we were just a number to them. Uh, so we ended up going to China and visiting you know, over 15 different factories to see what product we could create ourselves. Uh, with the right quality and, and our branding and everything else. Uh, so that's the phase we're at today. So you see our five scooters are all, all under the photo line. Um, but the next one is, is really creating our own scooter. So we're actually designing and, and manufacturing a scooter from scratch, uh, completely our design uh, called the Phantom. Um, and that will be launched uh, this September. And that's really the direction we're going towards in the future. It's really to become more innovators and creators of new products. Now that we have, we've worked with different products, we have so much customer feedback in terms of what works, what doesn't work what they're looking for. And um, it's really how do we create and sort of, sort of stand out and be innovators in this space because it's such a new industry. Mm -hmm. uh, electric scooters have just started and there's so much potential and room to grow. And I believe we're in the, one of the best places in terms of distributors today to, to get the customer insights and really apply it and execute it to a product. That's amazing. So have you always had that plan from day one or it kind of just iterated and became yeah. that? Um, so sorry, I mean, the answer is actually no. Um, <laughs> it, it, what I meant is it's really, you know, our plans uh, evolve very fast and we don't really rely on historical performance to predict the future because when you've only been around for two years it's kind of hard to judge you know yeah. what happened in the past um, so so what we say is you know we, we have this ambition of basically making scooters the next bicycle uh, we, we truly believe in scooters as a mode of transportation that's so powerful so practical that it can ultimately become one of the main modes of transportation all around the world um, and how do we get there is ultimately, like I said, by innovating and creating products that more specifically address the needs of local customers in Canada and in the US, and then being able to tweak them and really make the perfect scooter for someone in the Netherlands. Because guess what? Scooters in the Netherlands have very different requirements than scooters uh, for someone who lives in Texas, you know? Right. Um, so, so that's really the next step, making those scooters that are perfect for every little region in the world and being able to, to meet the demand that we know will be there. Yeah, no, it's a great story. And the reason I ask is it's, it's very similar to uh, Tesla's plan, mm -hmm. right? We, yeah, we had studied Tesla and Elon Musk. First, they started with the Lotus, and then they started creating their own through the Model S. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he's Elon's got huge ambitions. But it, it's great that it worked out that way. <laughs> awesome. So I totally appreciate your time. I know you guys are super busy. And just to share your kind of success stories and learnings especially for startups, it's so important to just look back at your learnings and, and, and gather knowledge from that. So thanks for sharing that with our audience. Um, Chris and Magic from Apollo Scooters, you can feel their passion about what they're doing and I can totally see a huge vision for you guys. So 
all the best, success for that, mm -hmm. and I'd love to kind of track you guys and follow up with you guys eventually and maybe like two or three years and see sure. where Paul's gone. Yeah, thank you so much, sure. and hopefully we'll be in Vancouver so we can see you. Yes, yeah. do come by, I'd love, sure. love to say hi to you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll be doing uh, more features on different companies to share uh, tidbits, success tips, all of that stuff so that we can all share the knowledge of business. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business Coaching for Creatives podcast. If you like this episode, please be sure to follow my podcast so you don't miss any upcoming content. For more information about Starfish Coaching, you can check out my YouTube channel, connect with me on social media, or go to www.starfishcoaching.net. I'm Eric Lee, and I can turbocharge your success. Thank you.